Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Greater Alton Church. My name's Tim. Good to have you with us. We're in the book of Acts. We're doing this series on U-Turn, and um, we're going to be looking at a, a passage in, in Acts 16 here in just a few minutes. If you've got a Bible or a cell phone or an iPad or whatever you're using, um, and you want to turn to Acts chapter 16, we can look at some things together. I'd love for you to do that. In this sermon series, we're looking at people who have taken a U-turn. That's what repentance is about. That's what it means to turn to God. There's 30-some conversions either listed uh, in detail or generically uh, referred into the, in the book of Acts. And oh, here's, ex- here's one of those passages, just one sentence long. Look what it says. The Lord's hand was with them. And he's talking about the early church. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now, when you read the book of Acts and you look at the conversions of the book of Acts, you're going to see a lot of people, God's turning them around. A lot of folks. Acts 2, you see people being motivated by the good news to change and turn to God. In Acts 8, there's an Ethiopian who goes from being distant from God and being excluded from God to now being intimate with God and he's full of joy. In Acts chapter 9, you have an example of a fellow by the name of Paul who is goes from being a murderer into a minister and serves actually starts working for the very movement that he was opposing talk about a U-turn and in Acts 16 just a couple of weeks ago we looked at a guy a Philippian jailer who really had ready, was ready to end it all, but, it, but God turns his life around into a, and transforms it into a new beginning one of the things that uh, I know the ladies you had your ladies retreat last week and 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 this idea of uh, of uh, Wonder Woman and God trying to change you you know Denise and I uh, we worked we were working on her lesson a little bit and uh, for, usually we fight during her lessons because we are so opposite on how we see things she sees things in a much more intelligent way and so I'm I'm always fighting. The, the fights will start with a simple thing like, what do you mean by that, Tim? Oh, no, I was thinking it. No, it came out. Oh, don't do that anymore. That's confusing. And so we'd have these headbutt sessions about every time we, we work on lessons together. But this particular time, we had a great time, had a super time. And she, and she um, uh, slept uh, one night, went to bed a little frustrated with what she was going to put together. But the next morning she goes, God, just give me the idea. And you know that, that mural that we put together, several ladies helped put together, of Wonder Woman going from this pantsuit to this, I don't know what you call that she was wearing. But I remember, I remember Denise going, I feel like I'm getting a wedgie just looking at that last panel. But we're talking about how God does want to change us. And he, and, and he may change us into, into a person that's a little more revealing, a little more open, a little more out there than maybe we're used to. And, um, and that's what we notice here in the book of Acts. God changing people, transforming people. God wants to change you. And so I hope as you read the book of Acts, you're going to see that God wants to change you. And you'll embrace this, that God wants to change not just your behavior. A lot of times we're content with just behavior. I just wish he'd pick up his clothes. I wish he wouldn't gripe all the time. God just changed those things. But God's not just interested in changing behavior. He wants to change your values. He wants to change your strategy. He wants to change your plans. He wants to change your purpose. And that's what we see here in Acts chapter 16. This, we see a couple of people, a man and a woman, making a big turn in their life. God's making them uh, turn in a big way. Let's read together Acts 16. I'm reading now the NIV. We're going to look at verses 6 through 15. 
Paul, it says, and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. I want to stop right there. When you see the word Asia here, you might be thinking of China and the former Soviet Union. That's not what he's talking about. He's actually talking about a, the province of Asia. It's, a, it's, a, it's an area that Paul's wanting to go through. And it says God, in this, uh, the Holy Spirit, again, is keeping him from going there. Verse 7. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now Luke is recording this stuff. And this, is, this, this particular passage, we see Luke going from referring to what's going on as they did this, and they did this, and they did this, for the first time, you know, he says we and us because he has joined them. Luke is now there and has joined them with Paul. And it looks like they met, uh, it looks like they met in Troas, to be honest. So verse 11, from Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Samothrace. And the next day we went into Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and a leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. Now, that term, they began to speak, is not they preached, not like this. Paul didn't stand in front of them and start talking, la, 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 He didn't do that. No. No, what he was doing was, this is really a conversation. He strikes up a conversation and begins to talk to these ladies here at the riverside. Verse 14, one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. And by the way, when it says, and she persuaded us, that word persuade means she twisted their arms pretty good. She really put, oh, come on, come stay at my house. And find, Okay, we'll go. See, Paul was not into letting people just take care of him. He was a very independent guy. He didn't like people helping him. He wanted to stand on his own feet. That's why he made tents on the side, paid his own way. This is the only account we have in the book of Acts. I'm sure it happened other times, but the only account we have of Paul actually receiving help like this without taking care of himself. He probably had a place to stay. So he stays with Lydia, and so does his his, uh, entourage of, of fellows that went along. Now, one of the things I want you to notice here is, when we're looking at this passage together, is that Paul, when he would go into a city, he would go into a chief city, he would, go, he would uh, look for the synagogue in that city. Now, a synagogue is much like a Jewish church building, not the temple, but a place where they would teach and they would gather together. Now, in order for that to take place, you had to have at least ten men to, to qualify to have a synagogue in a town. Philippi is a major city. Um, it says it's a, in fact, I think it says there, it's a Roman colony and the leading city in the district of Macedonia. So this town is a hustling, bustling town. 
but there's no synagogue there. And so when Paul comes into town, he's noticing there's no synagogue. Two reasons there might be a, not be a synagogue. One is ten guys qualifies it and they didn't have enough men. Another one is it's believed above Philippi that when, you, well, when they welcome you to town, it says no new religions allowed. They actually had signs posted. Unlike in here in Illinois, when you go into a city, the churches of Alton or the churches of Bethalto or the churches of Edwardsville welcome you. That isn't happening in Philippi. Stay away. We don't want you. No more new stuff. And so it's possible that that could be having some impact as well. So when Paul and his companions come into Philippi, They're looking around. It says they're expecting to find a place of prayer, which means somebody has told them, I think you're looking for some people. They always go to the river outside the city to pray. And so he goes down there with his fellows. He sees some women there, and he begins to talk to them. And this woman that's there happens to be Lydia. You can just see her eyes light up as Paul's talking, and Paul notices it. And he begins to focus on Lydia. Now, who is Lydia? Well, Lydia is originally from Thyatira. You know, she's originally from that town. Now, where is that? That's found in the province of Asia. Now, we just read where the Apostle Paul was told not to go in the province of Asia, but to, but, but to go into Macedonia. He has this vision. And look who he meets. It's a woman from Asia, the province of Asia, from Thyatira, named Lydia. Notice something else about her, and that is she deals in purple clothing. She's the Ralph Lauren of her day. She's a designer, a clothing designer. And purple cloth, wow, that was a big, big deal. You, only royalty or rich people, uh, people of high, high standing would wear, people who could afford it, would wear purple cloth. You know, uh, one of the things I, as I was looking at this, I was looking at accounts, historical accounts where this purple dye was made from seashells of a certain uh, seashell life, and it took thousands of them to make just a little bit of this ingredient to make this purple dye. But I thought was really striking to me was, if you took the amount of dye and the amount of gold, same amount of gold and weight, put them together, the dye is ten times more expensive than the gold. Is that something? This dye is incredible stuff. And it's rare, it's difficult to to get, and it's very expensive. So what do we know about Lydia? She has that, that dye. She's wealthy. And she's selling it. And she's selling clothing. She's dyeing this stuff. And, it's, and like I say, it's her own design. And, and, and she's uh, meeting people um, in, in uh, Philippi who are rich and well-to-do. She's a successful businesswoman. But there's something you ought to also know about Lydia before we get into some of this. And that is that Lydia is the first convert in Europe. She's the very first person to be to bring brought to Christ who lives in Europe. Now, what can we learn from this conversion? There's a lot of people turning in this passage. And so, um, well, if the shoe fits, apply it. How about that? You think about what we're going to learn here and how it applies to your life, all right? Number one, what can we learn from the conversion of Lydia? About, of Lydia? Number one, God brings people together on purpose. God brings people together on purpose. It's not by happenstance or, or, or circumstance or by chance. Oh, I just bumped into somebody. God doesn't operate that way. He doesn't bump people into one another willy-nilly. It's on purpose. On purpose. Look at this. 
here in verses 9 through 10. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You see, Paul believed that God opened and closed doors. How do you know that, Tim? Well, let's pretend for a minute. Let's pretend that there's a big map here, okay? And Jerusalem is here, right here. Okay? Don't forget where Jerusalem is. That's where Paul's leaving now. And he leaves Jerusalem, and he's going up. And over here, by the way, over here is Italy, the boot. So you kind of get an idea. Here's Jerusalem. There's Italy, the boot. And he's working his way up, and he wants to go through the province of Asia. By the way, do you know what city is in the province of Asia? Thyatira, where Lydia's from, in the same province. Ephesus is in the province of Asia. Troas is, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, Troas is just outside of the province of Asia. But you have Ephesus and Thyatira. And so Paul comes up to it. He's wanting to go there. And the, and the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus says, No, I want you to turn and go another way. You're going to go north and you're going to go around and you're going to go to, through Troas and Sinopolis, Samothrace, and then you're going to take, the, take this boat and go across this little body of water, the Aegean Sea, and you're going to go to Philippi. That's where I want you to go. And Paul says, Okay. Paul is, is okay with that. find it interesting that God isn't just trying to turn sinners. He's turning Christians too. Always turning us. Always turning us. Always guiding us in another direction. And, and it's just interesting that um, Paul is going... Listen to this. This is important. Paul is going out of his way to meet Lydia. Think about that for a minute. There are times when I'm going to have to go out of my way to bring people to Christ. I've got to be willing to turn and adjust and edit my plans, change my plans. Because God opens doors on purpose. God does the... Anybody like this? You find a door in your life and you want to open it? Boom, 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 boom. I've got doors in my life. You ever felt this way? Man, if God had opened the door, opened the door, I'd go through it. I've got doors like that. Go, man, God, I want to... Get me out of here. Boom, 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 boom. Dun, 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 dun. Can you hear me? Kind of jimmy with the lock a little bit. Anything to get the door open. And I hear laughter on the other side. <laughs> What's that? God's laughing. What are you laughing for? I'm not opening that door for you, Tim. But, I, but that's, that's what I would like. That's what I want. I know, but I, what I need you to do and be is so much more important than what you want. I need you to be able to turn, Tim. But I've got to go out of my way sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Turn up here, Paul. See, the province of Asia is a straight shot to flip. He could go right through there. But God says, no, go around. Go around. And so Paul concludes that's the way God works. Sometimes we try to jimmy with the door or bang on the door or knock the door down with people. Hello? 
You need to read this book. You need to go to church. You need to where to bang, 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 bang. And God's not, and the door's not open. But this other door, it opens over here. But we're so busy at this door that we want to see open, we can't see the door that God opens. You know, God opens doors anywhere at any time with anyone. And it's you and I, I'm just realizing, you know, I've got to be sensitive to that and be on, on my toes with this or else I'll miss that opportunity. What would have happened if Paul had not went to Philippi? Lydia would, I don't think Lydia would have become a believer. But God thought it was so important to get to Lydia. And I, and I, and I want to say this, in, in, two, in two things to say to you this morning. One of them is this, is that you're so important to God that He would change someone else's plans to meet you. God opens doors all the time. Let me read a few verses. Let me read a few verses here. 2 Corinthians 2. When I came to the city of Troas to preach the good news of Christ, the Lord opened a door of opportunity for me. Now, Troas was not the first time he went through. He went right through that town on his way to Philippi. No, this is the second time he comes through Troas. In other words, the door was closed at one time, but now it's open. And and by the way, that door opens in Acts 20. 1 Corinthians 16. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. Where's Ephesus located? The province of Asia. Because a great, why are you staying there? Because a great door of effective work is open to me, and there are many who oppose me. He's saying, man, the door's open, and I'm going to have trouble going through it. And it's in Ephesus. This doesn't happen the first time, first trip, second trip, but his third missionary trip. Oh, I'm sorry, it happens as a second missionary trip when he's on his way back after Lydia. Colossians 4, look at it says here, And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. I want you to know this morning, God closes doors and opens doors. He opens doors and closes doors to reach you. What do you mean, Tim? What I mean is, God saw you seeking Him. He heard you praying, Lord, I'm in a fix. I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know what to do in my home. I don't know what to do with my life. I, I'm so discouraged. God, you've got to help me. And so what he does is, there's a Christian somewhere close to you. He closes a door in their path and opens a door toward you. And that, that Christian concludes, believes, that God opens and closes doors for a reason and for a purpose So they face their fears, for example. They go through that door and face their fears and go ahead and invite you to church. You remember that person invited you? Remember where it was? They bring you to an event and you're like, wow, this is not what I'm expecting. They, they not only do they face their fears, they also, they're also dealing with some other issues. They change their plans because of the door open to, in front of them towards you they change their plans and come visit you they come to your home do a follow up call knock on your door and you're like holy cow they came to my door what's going on God's opening a door in your life he's working why? because he knows you need him and he sees what you're doing when no one else does he knows what you're thinking he knows you're discouraged 
And he goes, man, I'm, I'm going to send somebody. So he closes a door over here and opens the door for you. And if that's not enough, it's, it, it, it happens where a person just fights that intimidating feeling and strikes up a conversation with you. And from that, somehow, a Bible start, a study starts. And next thing you know it, you're making a commitment to Christ. How'd that happen? Somebody didn't bang the door down. Somebody didn't try to manipulate you. No, God opened the door, and you, and you were blessed with a Christian man or woman that had the guts to talk about Christ to you. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? I just think about it myself. Crossing paths with my wife. No idea. She had no idea that I was searching and looking for God. No idea. But my brother and I cross paths. We cross paths all the time. But now that I have Christ, and he goes, he has a moment where he's going through a divorce, and I get over there, and I just start talking to him. And he's open. Why? The door opened. Get over there, Tim. You know one of the things I notice about doors? They open and they close. And if I'm not willing to go through the doors when they open, they're going to close on me and I may not get another opportunity. And so what I'm just simply saying to you, I guess, this morning is that it's not by chance, it's not by coincidence that you were met and those of you who are Christians here... And, and went through a Bible study and found Christ and were baptized and you went, man, you know, this is, this is the best, best, best decision you ever made. But do you recognize the doors now that open for you to walk through to help someone else? That's so important for us to understand here. Well, I... Well, I recognize when the door opens towards someone else. Look what happens here in Acts 16, verse 13. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. This is very important, what I'm about to tell you. Because it really affects our culture here in the United States. The common view at that time, the common view of the Jew at that time, very common, was it would be better that the Word of God, the law, would be a better use burned than shared with a woman. Say it again. I'll say it again. The common view of the Jewish culture at the time, very popular view, was... If I, the Word of God if, would, be, would be more effective. Better, a better use of the Word of God would be to burn it than share it with a woman. Does that shock you? Paul did not believe it. He wasn't one of those. Luke was not one of those. Aren't you glad, ladies? I'm glad. A woman shared the gospel with me. I'm glad. You say, well, so what's your point, Tim? God opens doors, and Paul says, I don't care who it opens to, I'm walking through those doors. And what I want to say to you this morning, Greater Alton Church, is this. Let's, not, let's, let's don't fall into some common view 
that our culture is trying to put upon us. And that is, it'd be better to keep my Bible closed than to share it with a drug addict. Hello? That I'll just keep my Bible, Bible closed rather than share it with someone who's gay. Or someone who's a different color or culture. Or religious preference. You see, we got to be this church. When people come through these doors, yes, we love them, but we also love them if they leave out those doors. See, our American culture, our American Christian churchy culture is screwed up. Because we're, we're treating people that need Jesus like crap. And we think it's fine. Jesus got with a woman who was, who was caught in the act of adultery, sexually immoral. Would anybody agree that adultery is right? Jesus spent time with a woman caught in the act of adultery. Jesus spent time with, with a fella who was crazy, demon-possessed. Stronghold? Has he got a stronghold? Absolutely. And Jesus is talking to him, and he, one woman caught in adultery goes away forgiven. The demon-possessed man goes away goes away in his right mind. Jesus is talking to a woman at the well. She's lost track of how many men she's had. I, talk, I remember hearing a woman one time say, I've been married five times. I'm, a, I'm no good. Is, church, are we going to care about people? Aren't you in a mess? Don't you? We're all messed up. We all got messes. Are we going to care about people? Awful quiet in here, isn't it? Are we going to be a church? The heroin epidemic in St. Louis area right now is at an all-time high. What are we going to do if a door opens? Will we bother to go through it? Are we... Look inside and go, wait a minute, who's in this door? What's it smell like? This is too messy. This is, I, guys, we gotta go out of our way to help people. We're gonna have to go out of our way, an inconvenient, rugged way, if we're going to help people. Have we forgotten that? God opens doors and brings people together on purpose. And he opens doors everywhere, anywhere, at any time, to anyone. And I'm just asking this morning, I want to encourage you. I'm not here to beat you up this morning, but we've got to think about this. We've got to think about this. Paul, he walked into a situation where his culture would say, don't bother wasting your time. And he goes, oh, I'm not wasting my time. God opened this door. That's what I believe. He's given me the opportunity. Therefore, God is already in it. I mean, do you recognize the doors that are opening? 
You know, this summer, you know, we got we got church camp going on. People are volunteering for that. There's a door. For some of you who have children or teenage friends or you know, teen camp, you know, why, get, we need to get as many of our kids' friends and help them get them to camp. But, you know, this summer we're going to be, we're going, we're going to learn how to take what we have beyond the walls of this building into the community. We've got, we've got a, a sermon series right now coming up called Handle with Care. We're gonna, we've got several people lined up from our community who either head this department or are a spokesperson for this department that's going to come and tell us a little bit about what they do in the community. And, and guys, we want you, I want you to know something. I want this church to, be, to invade our community. I don't see a lot of church buildings in the Bible. This is where it all happens. If something happens, oh yeah. But the big stuff is out there. And will I see the door? Will I look for the door? Will you go through the door? Because God opens doors on purpose. That's the first thing I learned. When I noticed this passage, Paul's life is interrupted. What his approach to how to lead people to Christ or who are he's going to, where he's going to go is all disrupted. And God says, no, that's not the door you're going to have right now. By the way, he ends up in Ephesus eventually. He ends up in, in Thyatira. He ends up in those places. But it, not then. God opens those doors later. What's the second thing? The second thing I noticed is that we can learn from this conversion is that God rewards my worship. God will reward your worship. <laughs> Look what it says here. One of those listening was a woman in the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. I'm trying to imagine this woman, Lydia. Just trying to imagine her for a minute. She is... Successful. She's a successful businesswoman. She's a professional. She's a designer like a Calvin Klein or a Ralph Lauren uh, a designer for the rich and famous. And she is wealthy. She, she even dresses in her own line of clothing. What better way to advertise, huh? I see her hair just right. Her nails done. The makeup, not too much, not too little. Even her jewelry just complements the ensemble. That's what I see. I see her all the she's she's wealthy. She owns a large home, perhaps one of the largest in Philippi. How do you know it's so large? It's able to house a bunch of fellas. And I'll tell you, with two boys, we needed a big house. Imagine all these guys coming in and they, hey, come on in. She had servants. Her husband, most people think she was a widow. Her husband was gone. She's living in a man's world. This is a man's world. She goes, so what? I don't care. And she, she lives in her man's world, in this man's world, with confidence and courage. And, I mean, nothing shakes her up. No one intimidates this woman. But I want you to know these things do not define Lydia. Luke says, 
I'll tell you a few facts, but you know what really defines her? She's a worshiper of God. A worshiper of God. He says, look past all the bling, Tim, and you know what you see? You see a woman who's devout, admires. Is she religious? Absolutely. But she's not just, she's a worshiper of God. Wouldn't you love to be known as a worshiper of God? Wherever you work, wherever you are, home. That they say, oh, you know, he does this for a living, or she does that for a living, or they live over here. No, they, or they live over here. They, it's like, no, none of that matters. No, let me tell you what defines them. The Lord defines them. They're a worshiper of God. I'd love to be known as a worshiper of God. What a compliment Luke gives this woman. Is she Jewish? Yeah, but she's not been Jewish all of her life. She's a proselyte Jew. She's been converted. Does she know Jesus? No. That's why Paul is talking to her. You see, God doesn't want you just to admire Him. He wants you to know Him. He doesn't want you just to be religious. And by the way, this I'm really not doing a good job on this one because this word worship, behind this word worship is the word seeking and looking for God. There's a passage not on the screen, and it's, no, so don't change anything. And it's not, not uh, anywhere on your notes, but it's in your Bible, okay? And it says this in Psalms 27, verse 8. David says, My heart tells me to look for you, so I am here before you. One translation says, My heart longs to worship you, so I've come to your temple. So this woman's not, she's, yes, she's religious, but she has this desire for God. And when you have a desire for God, you want, you want to know God more. You want to seek Him. He is going to reward you. Maybe you're involved right now in a Bible study. You know, God is so excited for you. He is so excited because you're looking at His Word. You're looking at His promises. He's just like, this is awesome. And you know what? Your, your life is going to change. And maybe you're a Christian, and you've been a Christian a while, and you've been worshiping God. You know, God is so excited for you because you're going to change even more. More turning. More turning. Look what it says here in Psalms 86 up on the screen. Again, the psalmist says, Lord, teach me your ways, and I will live and obey your, your truths. I love this last part. Help me make worshiping your name the most important thing in my life. Ah, wouldn't that be a... Don't you want that? I want God. I want to worship God. Let it be the most important thing in my life. Why? Because when I'm in worship with God, it's not just I adore Him. It does... I start... Humility begins to come. Openness begins to come. Teachability, approachability. There's not a stubborn cell in your body when you're worshiping God. Why is it my kids know when the right time to ask me for things? 
They even set me up. I remember when they were living at home, they'd do something for me. Can I go stay all night at somebody's house? Well, they set me up. I mean, it's like, you know, because you're being so good to me and so wonderful to me, of course you can do that. And I just notice the same thing happens when I'm, when I'm in worship with God. I'm a different person. I'm just a different person. Better mood. Less stress. Oh, yeah. Approachable. Of course. Teachable. You bet. And that's what's happening here to Lydia. She's worshiping God. She has this attitude of David here in Psalms 5. Tell me clearly what to do and show me which way to turn. She, she opens, notice it says the Lord opens her heart to respond to Paul's message. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you approachable? Would you say you're teachable? Are you open? It has a big impact on your response. Big impact on your response to what God has to say. Let me encourage you to understand something here this morning. Please understand this. Religion is not enough. Being religious is not enough. It's just not going to work. You're not going to get the response. God's, God's not going to get the response. You're not going to be able to give God the response He wants by just being religious. It's much more than that. Religious admiration is not enough. If it were, Lydia wouldn't need anyone to tell her anything. No, Paul says, i got something I need to tell you. I've been brought here to talk. God's opened the door. He wants to reward your desire. And here is what... And what does Paul say? It just says his message. Well, what did he talk about? <laughs> Nobody knows. I think, I think he talked about stuff in the Old Testament and worked his way all the way through the grand scheme of things and to let Lydia see how she is a part of this grand scheme and God's plan. I do know... There must have been something about baptism because she's baptized. There's no arguing with it. She does it. And that kind of leads me to this third point I notice. And that is that God gives me a better purpose. I learned that from Lydia. That God wants to give me a better purpose. Let me show you what I'm. Uh, let me. There's this passage I found. This I asked Denise for her lesson because, ladies, she had a passage in there. I couldn't remember where it was, and I said, "Could I have a copy of your lesson?" And she got real suspicious. What are you going to do with it? And I said, "I'm just going to get a verse out of it. I know there's a verse in there. Okay." And she gave it to me this morning. And this is the verse I found. I knew this was it was there. And if you've got a cell phone, it's not on the screen, so I'll read it to you. It's from Ephesians 1, 11 through 12. And it's in the message again. And the message helps me. It's a paraphrase, but it helps me understand some things. I think sometimes better than some others. Here's what it says. This is what Ephesians 1, 11 to 12. Paul is writing to a church in the province of Asia. Here's what he says. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. 
What a marvelous way to say, God has a plan for me, has a better purpose for me, has a better plan for you, has a better purpose for you. It's designed by God, so it can't go wrong. It can't fail, and it's so good. And that's why Lydia responds to this message. Look at Acts 16 here in your notes, verse 15. When she and the members of her household were baptized, is that a response? Yes, but look what else she does. She invites us to her home. If you consider me a believer, what she's really saying literally is, if you think I'm truly a believer, if I've truly made the turn, come and stay at my house. And then she, come on, pretty please, you can do it. No big deal. i got plenty of room. Look, i got food. You know, like Sue Cress. I've got cherry pie ready to go. And Don goes, I'm there. You see, Lydia's focus is starting to change. I mean, it's a big turn towards God, and it starts changing everything. And it's a turn where she's now going to look at what has God called her to be. If you consider me a true believer, she says, if I'm a true believer, come stay with me. If I've made the turn. Now, what, 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 so what's, what's, what changes? Is she still a mother? Absolutely. She's still a mom. She's still dealing in purple. She's still a businesswoman. She's still uh, putting together stuff. She's still selling and wearing purple. But now she's a Christian mom. Now she's a Christian businesswoman. And not just wearing purple is what she's doing. She's wearing Christ everywhere she goes. Well, that doesn't sound like a big difference. It's a, there's the American dream, folks, and there's God's dream. And the reason American, the American dream can be a nightmare. We've all tried it, right? God's dream is not a nightmare. What a blessing it can be in our lives. What I notice is this about her. This is hard for me to say, okay? I don't mean hard to say it to you. I'll say it. I can say it to you. I don't know if it's going to explain it very well. She's not trying to figure out where Christ fits into her plans. She's trying to do the other. She's not trying to figure out, okay, I'll, you know, I, there's times I just wonder if we're American Hindus. You say, what are you talking about? One of the things about the Hindus that I, you study the Hindu religion, they'll add whatever god they've been introduced to all the other gods and idols they have. You know, the more the better, right? Makes sense. And a lot of times I think as Americans, we just add God to what we already are pursuing in life, our purpose. Okay, we'll put God's purpose in there too. But it isn't our main focus. It's a focus. And God wants to change this. This is the U-turn, this paradigm shift we've got to recognize that God is is not a hobby or a little interest on the side. He's the main thing. And this woman goes, okay, it's not so it's not about me trying to find a way to put you know Christ in here and a little bit over here. Well, I'll let Christ be in. Uh, you know this hospitality part but not in the business part no it's the total opposite now she's going how can will this what I do fit into God's plan how do I make this how do I fit this into God's plan will it work in God's plan and if it won't work she ain't going to do it she's out 
For years I've been trying to figure this out in my life. Why does Christianity cause so much conflict in my life? Don Yoder once said, I'd love church if it weren't for all the people. I agree. I do. Tim, that's awful. I know it's awful. I'm just telling you. You think about it long enough, you go, you know, Don, that's pretty good. Why is there so much conflict in my life? Well, it's because all these people that disagree with me, and I'm always butting heads with people, and all these, the conflict comes, and by the way, Paul said, I have opposition everywhere I go. I'm in chains. Prison faces me. Opposition, it's there. Yes, it is. But in my life, I've got to admit, that's a minute source of my personal conflict. It's a person that causes most of the conflict in my life, and it's me. I fight it. But I want it this way. I want my wife to be this way. I want my kids to be that way. And God says, how about you being my way? Just be my way, Tim. I know. I want, why is it so hard sometimes? Because the reason Christianity is so difficult for you and I sometimes is because we're fighting. The purposes are fighting each other. Your plan and God's plan. And Lydia says, I'm surrendering to God's plan. And it changes. The, is, she still, is she still doing things? Yeah, but with a different purpose. With a different purpose. I want to read a series of passages to you. This is in Colossians as I'm working to this end of this lesson now. And look, show the first one. This is Colossians. Denise come across this passage working on her ladies' retreat, and I started looking at it even more. And it's in the message. This is found in the book of Colossians. And again, yeah, I know it's a paraphrase, but I find it very helpful for me personally. I hope it does you. Just listen how purpose and focus is just different than maybe what you and I are accustomed to. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. Verses 5 through 8. And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death, sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, Doing whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like it. And grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. Listen to this. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. I just think of Lydia, who's a clothing designer. These are the concepts from Paul. Of course, she knew from Paul. Look at it also says, Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the Creator with His label on it. All the old fashion fashions are now obsolete. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. I just imagine Lydia sitting there going, what will I wear today? 
All these purple dresses. I'm sure she's got other colors. I'm going to meet this person. I really want to do well. Before, she'd say, I'm going to wear this one because this, I think this woman would like this or this, this uh, rich guy would love this color, this shade of purple. But now she's ringing through and she looks and goes, you know, I want to wear something. Wait a minute. I want to make sure I wear this. I want to wear Christ wherever I am. Because look at this wardrobe. Look how it's described. Not in colors, but in character it's described. Dressed in a wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, being even-tempered. Anybody beat up yet? Content with second place. Quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. God gives... Talk about a U-turn for Lydia. Totally different way of life. God's purpose now in everything she does. She's asking what would please God. Not please me or please someone else. But please God. What would honor God? And you see this in her generosity and her love and her service. In Acts 16, after the earthquake, remember the, the Philippian jailer and after the earthquake? Look, look whose house they go to. After it's all said and done, they go to Lydia's house. And where do they find? Where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. So now there's some fellas going to this church. Maybe it was, one of the, maybe it was the jailer. But this church is meeting at her house now. Yes, she continues to make money. What I'm trying to say is, yes, she continues to make money. But now, it's not just making money. It's her primary focus to make a difference. And yes, she, she's blessed by God. But, but you know what her primary focus is? It's not just to be blessed by God, but to use that blessing to help others. She supports ministry. She supports ministry. If you're the kind of person that forgets to give to this church, you t- I just keep forgetting... Well, you need to look at that. What's that say about you? When people are needing help, when people are needing help, you know, a ministry needs help, why not support it? She, she supports it financially and with her energy. She opens up her home to people, and above all, I notice, I believe she goes away and sees the opportunities her occupation gives her. Not to make a sale, but share the gospel. Yeah, she'll make the sale. Sure, she'll, she'll sell some stuff. But it's much more important than that. And why is that? Why is all of a sudden she different like this? Because she's just grateful and thankful. Let me ask you, are you grateful? Better yet, are you thankful? Are you generous? Are you a generous person? Why is that so important, Tim? Well, I think it's important because gratitude is my gratitude is expressed with my generosity. That's how I know. And she is so grateful. Does she owe Paul? Does she owe Paul and those guys? She's not thinking like that. She owes God. And she appreciates the men and women in her life. Of course. But she thinks she's just so grateful to God for opening that door, rewarding her worship, sending, turning a believer her way. 
There's a passage in Philippians. It's to the church at Philippi where Lydia was living. Look at this passage. I think it's on your notes if you want to look. Right here on the screen. Paul tells the Philippians, he says, You Philippians, remember when I first preached the good news there? He says, I want you to think back the first time I was there during the time of Lydia. Think back. He goes, when I left Macedonia, you were the only church that gave me help. Did you notice that? The only church that helped Paul when he left Macedonia. I never noticed that before. That means there are other churches that didn't help him. But they helped him. Several times you sent me things I needed when I was in Thessalonica. Really, it's not that I wanted to receive gifts from you. You know, Paul was a very independent fellow. He goes, but I want you to have the good that comes from giving. He goes, there's something about being generous that's rewarding. He goes, and now I have everything and more. How, how's that possible? Because it's from them. Look, everything I need and more. Because Epaphroditus brought your gift to me. You blessed me. And look what he says, he describes it as, it's like a sweet-smelling sacrifice offered to God. Was it given to Paul? Yeah, but it was really given to God. It was really for God. Why? Because she worshipped God and, and everything turned around for her. She, everything changed. And notice, and I want you to know this morning, church, when you're generous, when you give to people, I'm not trying to get money into play. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about you just being a generous person. You reflect like Lydia. This church was like Lydia. And I want to tell you, you have an impact on how generous we are here. You. You can you make a big difference of the people around you. You can promote generosity. Oh, Tim, that's your job. What? It's your job. It's your job too. And it's, just, it's like a sweet-smelling sacrifice offered to God who accepts that sacrifice and is pleased with it. And I just want to tell you, church, this morning, I want to encourage you this morning. Learn from this woman, Lydia. Think back. Some of you here, just think back. You know, Greater Alton needs to love people. We need to love our people. Let's be servants. When God opens a door, I'd like to see a fight on who's going to get through the door first. That would be, that's a fight I'd like to see at church occasionally. That'd be indifferent, wouldn't it? Alan's like, oh boy. <laughs> It'd be nice to see Buddy get into it. Let me, no, no, me, 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 me. Let's, let's love people that come in our door, out the door. Let's love people when we leave this place. Somewhere, a door is opening and God's asking you to turn that way. Will you? I hope so. You have a card in your bulletin and as a response card. Most of you know what it's for. It's your opportunity to write maybe a prayer or maybe there's something, a decision you want to make. I hope you'll take advantage of that. We're going to sing a song while giving you time to do that if you haven't had a chance yet. Then we're going to sing another song and take up those cards along with our regular contribution. May God bless you to recognize the doors that come your way. May God bless you 
with an open door, someone can help you. And may God, uh, may God's word spread because you have the courage to walk through that door. Let's pray. Father, thank you very much for stories like this with Lydia. Wow. I don't know if I did it justice, Lord. I just look at I look at that passage and there's so much in there. Father, I know the challenge for me is, is to see myself more than a glass guy or or to, to see where you are in when I do business, when I'm with people, when I'm with my family. That you're you're the main purpose and focus, Father. I, I just want to be able to say that worshiping you is the most important thing in my life. Lord, I'd love for us all to be able to say that this morning. I'd love for this church to be known as that. This is the place where worship is the most important thing. And it's not just the singing and the, but just that adoration, that desire to have you close and to know your will. Father, I just pray that you'll Make us a church of worshipers. A church that just adores you so much and that trusts you so much. You can do whatever you want. You can even get rid of us, kill us if you have to, just as long as your will is done, Lord. Let us lay our lives down. Lay our way down. Let us see that, it's, it's, that life is more than making a buck and going to work and getting a car and getting the house and having the kids, but that you're, you're much bigger than that. Help us see our place in the whole scope of your purpose and will that you've planned out for us. Oh, make us curious. So curious we'll seek it out and we'll call out to you, Lord, and that we'll listen when you speak into our hearts. That's what we pray, Father. I pray, Father, for Janet... And I pray, Father, I pray you just heal her body. Boy, she's went through a lot of operations. Boy, she's a fighter. And I just need her. I need her in my life, Lord. And so let, let her stick around. Father, take, help Gary heal, heal his body. What a surprise, huh? And Father, I pray that those that have cancer here this morning, that have something that's keeping them from, they're not as energetic as they used to be, Lord, that you'll... Just open a door anyway for us, Lord. You know, whatever, wherever, to whoever. Let us be good servants. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.